so the first interview with the Progress Not Perfection podcast is with Leanne. Um, Leanne is about six months sober, and she has quite the story. I tried to, it, it was tough, and I can't imagine being in even her shoes. That's why I think this podcast is so important because, you know, we're all kind of struggling, but in much different ways. Sometimes you just don't realize your struggle until you hear somebody else's, you know, and this one is one of those where you're just like, wow, I, I'm, you know what? All right. If she can do it, I can do it because even though I'm already sober and I have, you know, a decent amount of time in comparison, I feel like even more so if she can do it, then I can continue to do it. Um, you'll see what I mean uh, when we get into it, but I mean, talk about up and down. I mean, she's doing it. Now she's living it. Now she wants to, you know, be sober. So that's what's important. And you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to hear a lot of that. She is dedicated to doing this. It's going to take time. But I mean, you'll see for yourself. It's, it's a long hour. I mean, it, strep in, it's, it gets kind of tense. There's some trigger warnings, um, abuse, um, child trafficking. I mean, the list goes being laced. I mean, the list goes on. So just some trigger warnings for you. It does get intense a couple different times, a few different times. I don't, she, she's doing it. She's here. She's sober. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. Enjoy the episode. My name is Leanne. Yeah. Okay. And how, you're sober? I am. I'm sober. Um, I had six months clean and then about three weeks ago, about a month ago, I relapsed for a weekend and I was hating myself. You know what I mean? Like I was in that bit of self-loathing yeah. and... I've been going this completely by myself. No NA, no AA, no real professional help. I never went to a rehab, nothing like that. Um, so I had that weekend and I was like, I didn't miss this. Yeah. I don't want this. And it it was as easy as, I'm done. Like, I just put that away. Uh, I have four kids. You know what I mean? So I I have to be good to focus on them. Um, up until that point, I was thriving and I was loving life and... So I'm going to get there, yeah. Yeah, so you know what I mean? So when, when, what was, what was your drug of choice? Meth. When did you start? When was the first time that you were just like, this is what... I know for me, with like pills, mm -hmm. the first, that was my drug of choice. And the first time I did pills, I was like, where have they been and how do I get this every day, all day? Right. You so know? my... My story is kind of funny, um, not funny, but to me, it's it's not your typical story. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't just decide one day that I wanted to get high because people around me were doing it. It wasn't my friend group. It wasn't um, anything that I was around. I've always been focused on being a mom. I was a wife. I was a mother. 2019, um, I left my husband. We had a very, very, very abusive and toxic relationship. Um, my father was an addict my entire life. So I was always around drugs and I hated them with every bit of passion. Like it was the epitome of evil to me. I could never, how could he be that way? You know, he wasn't there for me. So I yep. never wanted to be that person. 
Um, and then I got caught up in some really bad, bad situations. And my choice to start getting high was because my drinks were being laced for two weeks before I realized that that was the issue. Um, I'm bipolar and I thought that I was on a manic episode and when I was coming down from my crash I was like something doesn't feel right like this isn't okay and there was a really really traumatic incident that happened a couple of guys had grabbed me off my porch and took me behind my house and they assaulted me I woke up the next morning in the fetal position in my house in new clothes no idea how I got there um my ex-husband had called, tried to 302 me, um, had children and youth and mental health and the police. Everyone's at my door pounding. So they took me into the hospital for a psychiatric evaluation and they ran a talk screen on me and they were like, so how long have you been using methamphetamines? And that was a surprise to you. I was like, whoa, yeah. hold up. What do you mean? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> you know, like yeah, I don't like math. This yeah, is like I, I'm anti-drug. <sighs> and coming out of the hospital, dealing with that traumatic incident, but I hadn't told anyone in the hospital about it because now we're focused on, hey, she's an addiction. Yeah, she's on math. Let's yeah. not talk about the other yeah, things. Yeah, like that let's forget the fact that she's in a crisis mentally. But like, yeah. we need to address this. And I was like thrown up. I'm not an addict. Yeah. You know, that that's where my mindset was. I started seeing this guy who was a recovering heroin addict. He was going through the methadone clinic, and he had this concept of, I'm still an addict because I'm still using a substance to get by. So I'm going to use meth to detox the opiates that are in my system so that I don't feel the sickness, and meth is never my DOZ, so I can kick it. And so it got presented into my life again. And so since it got presented into my life again, I was hooked for a really long, really long time. Yeah. Um, Because this time was more your choice of, like, I'm I'm going. Right. And now I'm dating someone who's actively using. In a way that he thinks is being Right. So he's convincing me that, like, this is just a good thing. You're just doing this to stay awake so that you can make sure that I'm okay and, like, my problem is heroin, not this. So you're not enabling me because I don't have a right. problem with this. Exactly. And it's, well, you can be my caretaker. That's what you do. You're a mom. You're used to that. And I've always assumed that role. I was the caretaker for my dad as I was growing up. My Were you the caretaker of your friends too? Like at the yes. friends group, the mom of the friends group? I'm always the mom. Yeah. Always. And it's funny because I can be the party girl and still be the mom. You know what I mean? Like I'm that yeah. friend. We all go out and I, I have one or two drinks and yeah. everyone else is shit faced on the floor. Yeah. And, all right, come on. It's time to go. Yeah. Like I've yeah. always been that person. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not an addict. I can do this. I'll be okay. I'm doing this for him. Right, right. So when we split up, which only lasted like two months. Okay? Really? Yes. You guys didn't make it? No, okay, because it, oh my. So he was convinced, absolutely convinced that I hated him because meth gives you insane delusions and paranoia, and you feel like you're schizophrenic all the time. You mentioned Peter Pan. Talk about some shadow friends. Yes. It's not even the shadow <laughs> friends. It's 
hearing something like I can be looking at you and I hear you speak words that you're not speaking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I think everyone's out to get me. And plus, and being like, bipolar is not going to be any helpful. I mean, no. I was engaged with somebody who was bipolar schizophrenic. Yeah. She was my childhood best friend, and yep. so like I've heard all the, the things that she would see yep. and hear. And so. It also enhances, for people like us who have mental illness, right, it enhances all that trauma, that depression, that negativity. It brings it full-fledged into your life as if it's right in front of you happening right now. So not just are you emotionally feeling that, but you're seeing things relative to that. You're hearing things, and you're making this puzzle fit without the pieces you know it's taking in your brain and all the fears and pushing them to the front at the same time as opposed to letting them sit where they should be to present when they need to be as opposed to exactly yeah exactly that's where the paranoia comes in yeah and that that really sent me over the edge so you left him when um so we split up we started dating in april we were split up by august Mm. so two three months um and that was on and off just because of the drugs yeah when he left, um, my ex, like I said, we were real toxic, real abusive. He would stalk me. He would have people check on me. He'd have people, like, tap on my windows and my door. And he'd break into my house but not take anything and move things around to make me think that I was crazy. Yeah. So I'm sober through this. And I'm like, God, I feel like I'm fucking tripping. I feel like I'm high as a fucking kite because I don't know what's real and what isn't anymore. Well, and sometimes the psychosis can last for up to 90 days, even right. longer, depending so, on how often you were using in sobriety. I mean, I remember people in my rehab mm-hmm. freaking out in the bathroom, yeah. you know, seeing people in the windows that, you know, we're in sunny California. You're yeah. not seeing a ghost out there. Yeah, dude. like there's nothing there. There's no one. So between him actually doing these things and then me sitting here like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I started questioning myself. He had moved to Jersey when we had split up, my ex-husband, and all of a sudden, he moves in three doors down the street from my house, starts dating this girl. From New Jersey back? Yeah. Classy. Okay. We're living in Cole Township at the time, and he moves three doors down from me, and I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. You know, I've already got a PFA. It's already crazy shit happening. I'm, I'm not okay with this. He's calling children and youth on me every single day. At this point, I'm sober again, you know? So I'm thinking there's no big deal. And they come, they come, they come, they come, they come. And he's calling my landlord. And my landlord's flipping out. He's telling my landlord I'm running a brothel and a crack shack. And so I've got all these people at my door. And tell my children and youth caseworker shows up one day. And she's like, Leanne, just leave. She's like, I'm I'm not here to take your kids. She's like, it's safest for you if you just leave. And this is when you were down in Lebanon. No, I'm still up here. Oh. I'm still up here. So I, I leave, you know, and for about six months, we move from place to place. I go from there to Reading and from Reading to Harrisburg, from Harrisburg to Lebanon, where my mom is. That's where I grew up. It's my hometown. I lived um, in Palmyra for a little bit okay. in Hershey yep. and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's real close by. And so I'm, I'm there and I'm starting to rebuild, regain some stability for me and the kids. And then my mom and my ex-husband start talking on the regular. And that just throws me for a fucking Facebook? loop. I feel like Facebook would have been the one to introduce Facebook, that. Facebook, FaceTime, phone calls, because I have a PFA, so I'm not communicating with him. So he has to get his information somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Um, my dad's in jail during this time, and he gets released. COVID just hit. So everything's, like, shut down. You're not even supposed to travel out of county. Yeah. They release them early. 
So because of COVID, they have to. Without a of, home plan or anything, they just release him. So he's standing in the middle of Pottstown, and he calls me, and he's like, look, I understand you want nothing to do with me. Can you come pick me up and just get me somewhere so I'm not standing here on the street? I'm a sucker for people like that simple. People who need help. I don't care who it is, what wrong you've done, whether it's to me or someone else. If you're in need yeah, and I can help and yeah. I have the means to do so, I do it. So I drive all the way out to Montgomery County. I pick him up. And I'm like, all right, where am I taking you? I don't know. Take me to Lebanon with you and I'll get a hotel or something. And so he gets there and he starts staying at one of my friend's houses. My friend's like, don't worry about that. Come stay with me and we'll get you squared away. And I should have known right there and then, like, this is going to be, this is just going to be fucked. Yeah. You know, that simple. This is one of those friends that maybe, like, they, right. they shouldn't have been with. Right, right. So, the friend he's staying with and I start dating and get in a very serious relationship. From there, my dad's back on drugs. This guy's smoking spice and... I get sucked right back down that back. Like, it's so readily available, and I never realized how it's everywhere until I was in that world. You know what I mean? And yeah. once I got in the world, it was like, I couldn't get away. Yeah. I can't escape. I don't know how. Yeah. So I stayed with this guy, and COVID shuts down. The school shut down. I'm like, you know what? This is how we're going to get away. And I'm going to get everyone clean. I'm going to get everyone straight. We're going to go take a camping trip. We're going to go upstate. We're going to camp for a week, you know? Middle of fucking nowhere. You won't need a mask. You don't have to worry about things being shut down because we'll be isolated. Shit. Might as well detox. You know? Good place to do so. That trip ruined my life. Changed my life. Like, they're... And sober people are, like, up in the woods flashing flashlights at us from the woods, calling my kids into the woods. Like, I don't know where the fuck we were. We were up in... uh, Tioga County, and I don't know where we were. I don't know what was going on. There was just a whole shit ton of crazy. Like, from up in that area locally with the local scene that was like trying to. Yeah. And I don't know if it was like a smoke screen or what it was, but like my car, my kids, and I were driving around in the field, you know, like four wheeling, and my car got stuck in a sinkhole. And we go down the next day, my car's broken into, and things are all rummaged through, and I'm like, fuck, at this point, I gotta be high to stay awake and see what's going on. So, I picked it right back up, you know, and all week, and then things progressively got worse, because now I can't differentiate between what's What's, actually happening and what what is in your head as a fear that you think could be happening. Right, right, right. And so, my kid's dad knew that we were going on this trip, and... I swore he had something to do with it at the time. Like, I'm so paranoid. And my daughter starts getting sick because it's the middle of April of this past year. And there's snow up there. And then it's warm. And then it's snow. So she's starting to get a cold. And I yeah. call him up. And I'm like, hey, let me bring the kids down to you. And so I take the kids. I bring them all the way down to Schmokin' for them. I drop them off. I head back up. I'm determined to figure out what's going on. And I'm high as a kite. I'm soaring through the sky. I get up there. We open the door and the whole cabin bursts in flames. Up in flames. So now I'm like, okay, I wasn't just high and I'm not fucking crazy. Was it a lab? I have no idea. Well, it would have been so... It's almost like that thing of like, oh my God, I'm a meth head. And they have a meth lab. It's like, you know, the movies right. of, like, all of a sudden someone's yeah. in nowhere near Oh, my at. God. It was literally, like, like wrong lost. turn like, or hills have yeah. I. Like, it was some absurd shit that you only see in the movies. Yeah. 
And still to this day, I'm working with my therapist through it because I'm trying to differentiate between what actually happened, what didn't. I've gone back up twice now and checked the grounds. Cabin had kerosene, propane tanks, all kinds of stuff. Only the cabin burned down. Nothing around it blew up. None of the trees caught on fire. It was definitely something combustible inside of there. And the cops didn't call us until two weeks later. There's nothing in the news anywhere about it. There's no information. So I had no idea what happened. And it, it screwed me up so bad. By the time I got back from that trip, my kid's dad had already known about the fire that I didn't tell him about that's not in the news. And yeah. he had told my mom that I caught all of mine and my kid's shit on fire in a meth lab. So it was right. somebody to make it right. Look. So I get back and my mom's like, "Sorry, you can't stay here anymore." Fuck. So my kids go to their dads. My other two kids stay with her, and I'm living out of my car. And that's when full blown. I mean, not that I wasn't addicted before that, but that's when it hit me the hardest. Yeah, that's you know what I mean. Yeah. So now I'm living out of the car, and it's me, my dad, and this gangbanger that I, I don't even really remember how he got thrown into this mix but now he's like living out of the car with us too and so it gets to the point that we're living out of hotels living out of my car we're driving here and there and we're just driving 24 7 because we don't have anywhere to go and it's exhausting it, it is mentally it, it was physically exhausting it was mentally exhausting I can't tell you how many times that I would get high just because I didn't want to sleep I didn't want to close my eyes I didn't know what was going on and it just, it kept getting worse. You know what I mean? Like, it was like that avalanche or that, that snowball the, where effect. Where it just starts here and then next thing you know, yeah. it's way bigger than you. Yeah, and there, I got to a point that I was like, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do at this point. And this is um, when are we at now? This is... April, yeah, April, May of this 2020 or 21? 2020. Okay. So this ran into... All summer say, long. about August, yeah. And there, somehow we ended up in Danville. I mean, like I said, we're living out of my car. We're just traveling the state, and we're like, fuck it. We might as well make an experience out of this. We end up in Danville. We're staying in a hotel, and that guy and I had began a fling. I mean, when you're high and you're together 24-7, like this. Especially meth. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. like, you know, I, I've heard a lot of stories. Like, I've never done meth. I was Oh, my pill. God. But I've heard a lot of stories with people in AA about meth. It increases and your sex drive. Like, people were, like, talking, like, oh, I'll, I'll sit on an underpass just jerking off for an yes. hour to porn. Well, and that's To how stuff that I have no idea what I would ever watch if I was right. sober. And he was that person. Yeah. Like, 24-7. We could be in the middle of the store, and he'd be walking around with porn on his phone, like, constantly. Yeah. And then it got to a point where I was on that same level or I didn't have a choice. Yeah, one of my best friends right. that's so sober is, is meth. And that yeah. was his DOC from 19 to 39. Oh, my God. In and out of rehabs until yeah. 39. And now he's 43. And he's got, like, two years because then he yeah. relapsed. He was in charge of me in mm -hmm. rehab. And then he relapsed while he was in charge. And then he had to go into um, the yeah. facility again because, you it's know. It's hard to kick that habit. It's so, it's so crazy because it's, you know, it's not, it's not physically, no, but, but no one knows how mentally it is yes. unless either someone close to you has described it or you've been in it. Yep. It's really hard to depict what's drug usage and what's mental health anymore. Because with bipolar, mm -hmm. it's so similar with the brain chemicals and like yep. how confusing it can yeah. be because a lot of it sounds like what. Colleen used to say to me she was feeling mm -hmm. or she was thinking or hearing yep. or seeing mostly 
And then it, it all, like, this, and she even said shadow people. Yeah. She even used the words yeah. shadow people all the time in her schizophrenia. Yeah. So, like, when I started hearing all this in rehab, I'm like, wow, there is just a fine line mm -hmm. between methamphetamine and the effects that it has afterwards yeah. and bipolar schizophrenia. Yeah. And how you're, I, I can't imagine. It like, got to the point that I'd use it as my cover. I'm not high. I'm just in a manic episode. Yeah. And people would buy it because you couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. And so we were just... Mine was that I was fat because I was always sweating. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm just fat. It's a hot room in yeah. here. Like, you know what I mean? It's right. like, well, it's 60 degrees. That's fine. Like, you're, yeah. you shouldn't be sweating like that. Yeah, but <laughs> we all have that cover story. You yeah. know what I mean? So we are going through all these crazy motions. Um, we're out in Danville at this hotel. And that's what we're fighting over is because... He wants more drugs and he wants sex. Like he's high as a kite. That's what's all. And at this point, I admitted myself to a psychiatric hospital like a week before because I was just had lost my shit. I came out. I was sober, and I was like, I don't want to pick it back up. Let me go through the motions of getting this all out my system. Yeah. He ends up fighting for my phone to cash app himself and like trying to take my clothes and. I have an iPhone at the time, and if you press the button on an iPhone so many times, it auto-dials the police. Yep. So I'm like, fuck, because my phone's smashed, twisted, like, contorted, and I hear the voices. I'm like, fuck, I can't deal with this. And you so, can't tell them, oh, it's just a mistake, because then right, they're going to show up right, anyway. Well, they would have heard us yelling and yeah. fighting and everything. So I dart down, and I run to the main office, and I was like, is that the police on the phone? Because I get there, and she's on the phone, and she was like, yeah, and I was like... I'm not gonna be here. I was like, I can't stay here any longer. One, I don't think this scenario is safe. And two, I'm not dealing with cop. Like, I'm leaving. And so I run across the street. I go over to McDonald's. I'm not expecting anyone to come looking for me. The police show up. I'm looking across the street while the police are talking to me. And he's across the street. And I'm like, like I'm. I don't want to do this. And. I know what he'll do to me if I do. So I'm like, can you guys just take me to go get a new phone? It's 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. They drive me in the middle of Danville. They drop me off. And then from there, I struggle to get a hold of a phone. I end up from police station to police station, hospital to hospital. And I'm so crazy. Like, I'm psyched out. And it's between what just happened and the drugs leaving my system still, the after effects, the mental health, like all of that just piling up. But I start walking, and it's funny, I ended up here at Bloomsburg Hospital. They were going to do a psych admit. I start walking. I end up going down past Buckhorn, back, I must have walked about seven miles. Oh, that's a lot of walking. I yeah. really don't even I like walked, doing that drive around. I walked about seven miles. I'm in the hills. I have absolutely no idea where the fuck I'm at. I'm in the middle of the woods, and I come across, there's this little bridge right there. And I was like, I gotta pee so bad. Like, that's all that's on my mind at this point. I just gotta piss, and I don't wanna piss on the side of the highway in front of all these cars. So I walk across this bridge. I'm in pants that are too big for me, an oversized hoodie. It's the ass crack of summer, and I am just a whole mess. Yeah. And I walk over, and this guy's waving. He thinks I'm his neighbor. And I was like, can I use your bathroom? And he was like, um... I, I mean, I guess. So he brings me in, and I'm using the bathroom, and his wife comes out. She's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so he's telling her, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I passed her driving from Buckhorn a while ago, and 
I didn't realize it was her. I thought it was the neighbor, and she asked if she could use the bathroom, so I let this girl use the bathroom. She comes out, and she's like, honey, what is what is going on? Like, yeah. You, you look like a hot mess. What? Yeah. How, how can I help? Why don't you sit down? Let me get you a drink. Let me get yeah. you some food. And So she's feeding me, and I'm calling people from her phone because I've got no phone. You know, I have no yeah. way of getting a hold of anybody. No. She calls my mother for me, and she's like, look. What do you want me to do with this girl? Because she needs help. And how old are you at the time? Uh, 27. Okay. So I'm like, Mom, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know what to do. I was like, I need help. And she was like, you need to go to rehab. Like, I don't have any drugs in my system. <laughs> like, I'm not getting high. People forget that rehab is not even right. just the first three days. Right. And a lot of people even go to the hospital first to detox and then they go to the 30 day That's what my dad treatment. Just did. You know, they, you do the yeah. IOP classes in house. Yeah. I mean, you you can get a lot out of it. It depends on the rehab. There are a lot of sketchy ones out yeah. there. Well, I have but, absolutely no experience except the fact that my dad just got out of Friday yeah. and he was at White Deer Run and he's been using drugs since he was 15. He's 48 now, 49. Mm-hmm the first time in his life he's ever got help so that's the only experience i have with rehab is what i know from his experience and what there. you've seen him do right yeah white deer um, run actually just reached out to us to be a sponsor really yeah they're supposed to stop by this week so she calls me and she's like look you just gotta go to rehab i'll take care of the kids go get help like all right fuck it like i i don't know what else you want me to do yeah so they call the state police state police take me up to danville hospital and they have a certified recovery specialist come talk to me and they have mental health come check me. Mental health won't take me in because I'm not a harm to myself or anyone else. Mm -hmm. At this point, I'm just calming down from a traumatic event. CSR is like, well, rehab really doesn't want to accept you because, you know, and the hospital's like, well, she can't stay here. There's nothing medically wrong with her. And I was like, okay, well, when I was living in Harrisburg, I was trying to work with the YWCA to get into their shelter, we're calling all the shelters, and they're like, look, we can't take her. COVID, you know, like, yeah. and there's we're right. minimums, we're not taking anybody, we're only kicking them out. Yeah. Yep. They're like, we we can't do anything for her. So, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, the CSR comes back, and she's like, look, I work at Gaudenzia, and I can take you there, and I don't know how long it'll take, but we'll waive any fees so that you have somewhere to stay until we can get you into a shelter or something. I get there. Um, they take me to Gaudenzia the next morning. My experience with rehab personally is I was there for three hours and they told me that I was going to have to pay to stay because insurance won't cover it and there's nothing they can do because there's no drugs in my system. And I was like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Yep. That simple, like that song, fuck this shit, I'm yep. like, that, that's <laughs> yep. what's going through my head. Yep. I was like, nope. And I'm packing my bag up and they're like, well, your other clothes are in the washer. I was like, take them out. Yep. Like, I, I can't afford this. Yep. Take them out. So I'm walking from Gaudenzia down so through Old Township. The, the first thing they do yep. is they take your clothes from being on the street yeah. and they throw it right in the washer because yeah. they don't want it. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. Yep. That makes sense. But I was like, nope, I want them. Yep. Let's go. So they grabbed all my stuff. I'm wearing what they gave me. I've got this like trash bag, like a hospital trash bag, the yeah. real thin, fine ones. Carrying it on my back. And Gaudenzia's up there by the prison in Cole Township. So I'm walking all the way down this huge-ass hill. I felt like I was walking back from yeah. Bloomsburg again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I walk all the way down um, until I get to Dollar General, and I still have no phone. So I'm asking everyone, like, do you happen to know this person who lives in Cole Township or lives in Schmogan? Because I don't have their phone number, and I don't have a phone in 
that person can help me. Yeah. And I just, I can't walk anymore. At this point, I'm run down, I'm beat up, I'm exhausted. I can't even imagine. Like, it's yeah. not like you're eating for energy. Exactly. You know what like, I mean? I, I'm surprised that I was still standing. Like, I know I'm standing there and I'm like all woozy and... We've had four kids. That, yeah. that gives you some strength. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I think a lot of it has to do with the adrenaline, too. Because when you're in life or death situations, or what you perceive as life or death situations, and when your you survival instincts kick yeah, in. Yeah, when you don't know what's going to happen next, and you yeah. have to be on complete alert. Yep. And especially when you're already dealing with off and on manic states your entire yep. life, or at least since puberty, probably. Uh, since I was 12. Yep, because yeah. that's usually when that kicks on is around yep. puberty. Um, and But it really, really clicks after a traumatic event. Uh-huh. But it starts then, and then it escalates yep. then. And then that's what happens with every single person I know that yeah. has bipolar. Because yeah. everyone has different kinds, but it kind of all follows the same it's... suit of, like, how and when. Yep, And especially, Absolutely. like... You know, my ex was a big drinker, though. That mm-hmm. was her thing, because she couldn't shut the voices off. Yeah. So she'd drink away, and okay. she would drink till she fell asleep, because that's the only way you shut up your mind. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you were taking it, and like, I'm going to double down into these paranoia states. Yeah. And just live it like paranoia, yeah. just paranoia. Yep. And she's just like, I want to take it away completely. Yep. <laughs> but I was like, fuck it, we're going to live this. Everyone's going to try to find... Okay, yeah. so now you're in Cole Township... And it's, I, been, it's been last September. Yeah, we're still in August. We're this in, is oh, still this in is still August. Yeah, from your Danville Bloomsburg yep. crosswalk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm standing there, and I walk over to Dollar General, and I literally yell, "Does anyone here know?" And yell this person's name, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I've got this number in my phone." And I was like, "Can you please just call him and tell him Leanne is here, and I think she needs help." And so they did, and within five ten minutes, he was like. I'll be right there. Picks me up, takes me out to a hotel to get me some, you know, some rest. Like a cushion to lay yeah. on. Like a mattress. You've been in yes. a car and walking. Yeah. You it know. was it was amazing. So I get out Somebody there. who didn't just want drugs or sex or your right. money from you. Someone me. that genuinely cares about me and yeah. always has. You know, he's been like a second father figure to yeah. my entire existence out this way. Yeah. So I knew that was one person I could rely on, and he gets me out there, and while I'm out there, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do from here, you know, because if I don't figure out a next step from here, I know for a fact I'm going to turn right back to those those drugs, those streets, and I'll find a way to make it do because... At least I can, at least I know what I'm doing out there. Right. I know how I can survive out there. I won't see my kids, but I'll be able to survive. Right. And so it's like, do I take that road or do I sit here and actually make an action plan on how am I going to live without this drug? Uh-huh. Because these are the only uh-huh. two options that you got right now. That was exactly where I was at. Yeah. And so I buy myself a couple more nights and I still, I don't have the balls to reach out to my mom and say like, mom, can I come, you know, like. doesn't it, get any easier. It, no, so <laughs> I wasn't at that point yet. I didn't know who else to turn to, and so a friend of mine who lives down in Ship was just like, how are you doing? Like, I haven't talked to you in a while. And I was like, I'm not good, but I'm cool. I'll make it through. I always do. And she was like, well, if you tell me what's going on, maybe I can help. Nine out of ten times you say something like that to me, my response is, no, I'm cool. I got it. And I was like, this is my situation. I mean, there's not much you can do. I was like, but this is where I'm at, and this is what's going on. She drove all the way up from Shippensburg. Came and picked me up that night, brought me back down to her house. I 
Idaho's must have been a three-hour drive. It is not a quick drive to ship no. me back. No. So I ended up staying with her for a little while, gained my sobriety. Um, my kids were up here. So once I was good and feeling better. At least you knew they were in good hands. Right. Your mom was taking care of them. Right. You knew where they were. You knew that they were I knew safe. they were better off. With her, that situation than anywhere they, else, and, right. and not even with you at that point. Right, right. If like you can't I, take care of yourself, how can you take care of four kids? Right, but in that <laughs> moment, it's so hard to see it that way. You know, in that moment, I was like, they're my kids, though. But, you know why, though? It's towards the end of addiction, our egos are so huge mm-hmm. that we think we're so invincible. Oh, yeah. That, like, that's the first thing that, like, you have to do in sobriety is, like, learn to be humble mm-hmm. and learn to, like, take that ego and be like, all right, I am kind of a piece of shit, though. Like, right. I was, and you got to kind of accept it, and you got to go like, all right, now how am I not going to be a piece of shit tomorrow? Right. And you kind of got to take those building blocks and exactly. go from there. Yeah, Exactly. So towards the end of my stay in ship, um, school was coming back up, you know. My mom's like, look, I don't actually have custody of them, so either we need to enroll them up here or... They gonna- need it. You know, we're going to have to figure something out. And my other kids were up here with their dad, so I was like, you know what? The same person who took me to the hotel offered me a job and a place to live. I'm going to move back to Shemokin. I'll bring the kids with me. I'll get them set up for school. And that's what I did. And then for months, I was good. I was sober. I was doing great. And then... Well, you had distractions. You had new distractions. Right, but it was more than that. It was I wanted to build a life for myself now because since I've been 18 I was never on my own you know I was with my husband and then I was with my drug addicted friends and I was surrounded by people so this was my first time it's my first chance to say you know what I can do this and you said the most important thing you said I wanted a yeah, different I life did. you weren't like we, people complain like I need to do this or I need to do right. But like when you like sit up and you go, no, I want to do this. Like you're taking mm-hmm. ownership of it, and you are in control of it. You're you're driving the bus again. Yep. You know because exactly. you wanted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always found that that's a big thing because like I notice people will say like, oh, I need to do this, my family, or I need to do that. Court. I have to do it for me. Yeah, because when you do it for those things, it's a need. It's like I need to do this to make the court happy. I need right. to do this to make the family happy. Right. But at the end of the day, you never worked on you. You just took care of all of their needs, and then you're still stuck with you at the end of the night right. that you're trying to fall asleep with. They never worked on. Right. But as soon as you took the time to work on you, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, now I can actually be a mom and yeah. be there. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. That was a monumental moment for me. <laughs> Excuse me. So, the place I ended up working, though, was flooded with it. I was able to ignore it. Like, I had no craving for it. I didn't want it. And I was sad for the people who were doing it. That's what the kind of, that's that perspective you have to have of, like, the... And then, say, January of this year, December, the end of December, um, my kid's father just gives the kids back to me, pretty much. He still has custody, but he's too busy doing his own thing and he's like look or just keep them with you and I end up losing my place simply because I couldn't afford the rent there and you know so I end up moving in with a friend and moving into that friend's house I ended up getting caught up in a human trafficking ring and so did my girls um and so I fell back into the drugs I fell back into a lot of really bad 
things, but then I was introduced to an even darker world than what I knew existed. And like drugs had already consumed my life before. So I knew how bad that was. But then it got to the point that there was ads of my children posted online for sex. And someone tried to take my daughter out of the house on Christmas Day. And so it, it blew up into this thing. And I was assaulted a lot as a child. And still to this day, I have no confirmation, but everything in me tells me that as often as I was assaulted, it wasn't by chance. You know what I mean? And then I've talked to some other family members, and I wasn't the only female in the family it happened to. So everything tells me that I escaped trafficking as a child. And now here my children are being put into that same situation. I'm already stuck back in it. I ran, I ran, and I ran. And Women in Transitions picked me up. That's awesome. And they put me in a couple hotels, and eventually they moved me into their safe house. And once I moved into their safe house, the kids went back to my mom. Um, I was there up until April of this year, and then they helped me get a place out here in Bloom. That's awesome. And, and you're right down, you're right down the yeah. street from us. You don't gotta say, but nope, you're yeah. right down the street from us. Right down the street. And my children and I are thriving here. Yeah. That weekend, that hiccup was as simple as I got some really shitty news. And I was overwhelmed and overbearing. And I just, it was a really bad weekend for me. And I was like, fuck it, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Um, well, you never had a meeting before. You never right, had a community. And beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm used to the chaos, but I'm also not used to a college town. I'm not used to the parties and the loud people and... Some guy had stumbled up my steps, stumbled up my steps, drunk as can be. And I live on the third floor. So it's about 2 o'clock in the morning. Me and my kids are sleeping, and he's kicking on my door, pounding on my door, screaming, yelling. And instantly, I'm in flashback mode. I, yeah. All that trauma came back. And that was enough between that and the bad news I got about my friend was enough to send me right back in. And I that first day, I was like, mm, I can't. Like, this... This is only going to make me feel worse. I'm more paranoid now. Yeah. You, know? you remember. It's almost like right, you forgot. Right. Right. And yeah. then I picked it up and I tried it and I thought it would help me like dull it out or help that trauma disappear for a second. And all it did was emphasize it. And I was like, I got to find a different way. You know, I, I can't. So that, that was enough for me to be like, eh, I picked it back up. I don't want it. And I, I'm not going back. And I, yeah, you know, we've, We've built a life, and it, granted, it's only been a couple of months, but we've already started to build a life out here for ourselves. You know, my kids in football, my other kids in soccer, they love their school. I have a good job now. I work Do they out. go to the Qantas camp? No. You know about that camp? I do. We take our kid there every morning, drop him off at 8, and mm -hmm. pick him up at 1, and he comes back dirty, and oh, we see. throw him right in the shower. He's exhausted, and yeah. we don't have to... It's amazing. Like, they do it's that, free. but they do it down at the Y. Oh, yeah, the Y has yep. one, too. So yeah. they do it at the Y. That's their daycare during the school year yep. because I got a really good job now working out of Danville. That's awesome. So I work at the hospital and have, like, really turned my life around, and yeah. it was like, I can't screw this up. So they're down there at the Y. They do their thing during the summer. Yep. I go out and, you know. We go places, we do things, and I'm not looking over my shoulder anymore. They're really happy. They're making friends. I'm making friends, healthy friends. You know? I'm making healthy connections. I'm reaching out. I mean, I was really 
tossing around the idea when I saw your post on Facebook, and I was like, ah. Wasn't it you that was, like, really on the fence about even messaging? Yeah, 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 because here's the thing. Like, I've never done the meeting thing. I have a 12 steps book back at my house, and I've read through it, and I just, for some reason, like, ah, you know, and it's nothing against 12 steps, and, like, for my dad, it's working great, but for me, I... It, it just, it wasn't something that I felt called to. For me, my spirituality has been a big part of, you, Do you know, know what I, my tarot, my oracle cards, my crystals, my meditation. You sound like my, Mikey. Like, seriously, all of that, my pendulum conversations, like my conversations with my heart. And on top of all that, it's funny because I've got like this mystical spiritual side, but then I have my church side too. Like mm -hmm. we go to church every week and I go to LCBC and, you know, I stood there today in prayer with the guy that sang this song and it was like why god like why do you allow this crap to happen that was the message that's something i need to hear you know sometimes it's not necessarily about the religious aspect it's the message that like you know it's it's relatable it's something that i can connect with and that's what's big for me is connection so whether that's spiritual connection physical connection law of attraction yes Yes, law yeah. of attraction, the laws, the, the 12 universal laws have become so important to me, yep. and that's actually what my ministry is focused on. Mm -hmm. You know, our blog, our podcast, we're hoping to launch like an actual group, but the whole concept is to be soulful, and not like soulful as in the word soulful, but soul Full. Yeah. Like my soul is full. Yeah. Do you, you know, my soul is full. Know, yeah. Do you know what, what my um my biggest thing because like I was born and raised Catholic, you know, graduated from mm -hmm. I even went to a Catholic high school for a little bit. Okay. You know, and um, I graduated from a, I'm still a public school product. Mm -hmm. I went to the C C D classes like at yeah. once a week and all and made my confirmations or all my sacraments. Yep. But I just especially with the Catholic Church, what was going on, yep. I really just like yeah. My eyes were wide open to what was happening, and my ears, when I was paying attention, I was yeah. just like, I can't follow that. Like, yeah. I just had a mic. So I just hadn't had anything. And then when I got sober, um, they were like, no, it's more about spirituality, not religion. Right. And I'm like, can you explain that to me, though, mm -hmm. in a way that I'm going to understand? And one of the guys I'm good friends with still, he goes like, yeah, people that are religious are people that fear God. Yep. People that are spiritual have been to hell and back. Yep. And they know what it's like. And they just know how to live every day through it. Mm -hmm. But the people that are just religious, they are just God-fearing. Yes. We're the ones that are just like, no, nah, we've been been, in, yeah. been there, done that, we've seen it. I don't it. think there's anything that can scare me at this point. You know? Exactly. Like, I've seen it all, I've been through it yeah. all. And, and I'm tired of living in fear. I lived in fear for so long that there's no way in hell that I'm going to fear someone that I don't know you know when there in front. You know what I mean? Mikey and you will get along well with tarot. She does tarot mm -hmm. out of here now. She's okay. going to be doing, she did three readings, I think, today alone. Oh, that's cool. Last people were coming through, and, you know, she, I, she's really into crystals, and mm -hmm. she's really into witchcraft. Yep. But, like, so she even made a spell, like a money spell for yeah. us a while ago. And so she told me about it. I was like, okay, cool. She was like, on a weekend, we're going to get money. I said, okay. Yeah. And then I forgot all about it, right? And then we were at my... My brother and sister-in-laws, mm -hmm. um, they were they had a kid, and they were at a baby yeah. shower. And my dad had handed me some cash. And he was like, here you go, like, just for a little something, because I know you've been struggling. Mm -hmm. And wasn't expecting any money, and yeah. I didn't count it in front of him. I'm, not, I'm just like, right. okay, thank you, pocket, count right. it later, you know. And I get in the car, like, holy shit, he gave us a 1000 Yeah. And then she smiled and pulled the vial out of her pocket. Yeah. She was like, I had this on me. I was like, I forgot all about that. So the really cool thing is, like, 
I'm in this little niche in between all of that, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I know that works, but the reason it works is because you aren't just attracting it, you're raising your frequency, your vibration to the level in which those things happen. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not just like, I want this, so, and that's like the misconception everyone has about manifestation. It's not like, okay, I'm thinking hard about it, I want this, it's gonna no, come it's to not me. Like, no, like you have to take the action and the steps, you have to lift yourself up. You have to live it. Yeah. You have to live what you your words are, you not just talking. It. You have to act as if it's already happened and it's happening. And then you you get that confidence and mm-hmm. you get that like swagger even. Yeah. And, and then next when it thing happens, you know, you're like, Huh. Look at that. Wow. Like, this place is born out of that. Yeah. You know, this whole room is born. This whole entire place is just conceived out of us just saying, I wish we had a cool meeting place that did this, this, and that. Yeah. So now we have a meeting place that does this, this, and that because you can't just talk about that. Yeah. No, if you, you want it to really be there, mm-hmm. then you put it there. Right. But by taking those steps, it's funny because once you make that initiation, everything kind of falls into line. As long as you're taking the action. And on top of that, your confidence. Yeah. You're like, I can do this. Yep. And and for the first time, you're like, I got this power now. Yep. When you change your mindset and you change the energy that you're putting out into the world, the energy you receive changes with it. For me, it's happiness. Um, I choose to be happy. Yep. Like people, whenever they say, oh, I I feel sad or... I don't feel happy right now. It's like, well, happiness is literally not a feeling. Right. It's just something that you can just produce. Mm-hmm. You can wake up and it's pouring rain. And, and you I'm can gonna either, have a good day. You can say, oh, well, at least it's not going to be hot today. It's mm-hmm. going to cool down. It's going to get the plants. It's been hot lately. Or you're going to be like, oh, the drive is yeah, going to be awful. And then you roll out of bed. You roll out of bed with that energy. And you roll out of bed with that kind of like, this is how my day is going to be. So you just started that. You created that happiness or that unhappiness as soon as you got out of bed when you saw how nice it was outside mm. or how dark and gloomy it was. You made that choice to go dark. Yeah. You could have easily found a positive way. There's always a positive with a negative if you look hard enough. Even when people die, yeah. you can still be positive and say, well, they're not in pain anymore. No matter the situation, you could find a way to have a perspective on it that isn't necessarily detrimental. And when you, know you do, I mean? you accept it a lot easier yes. and you move on a lot yes. easier. You have to choose acceptance and you have to choose release. You know, yep. you have to choose to, okay, I accept this and now I let it go. Yeah. But beyond that, I think being able to take a moment to count the blessings, like, yes, this bad event happened or this bad thing happened. And I'm not negating that. I'm not saying it didn't. But... This, this, and this is still happening, too. And I can be grateful for those things. And what can I do now anyway? Right. And as right. soon as you get to that, like, over that dwelling mm-hmm. and and pass that to the point of, like, I can't do anything about it anyway. It happened. It's horrible. And I hate that it happened. Yeah. But how can I do something again so that I won't have to feel this way again? Yeah. That's something you can work on is yeah. that action, like we talked like about the action. self-reflection. Yeah, you, know? you find, like, like where, where did I go wrong so that next time I'm, in, I'm presented with this, I take the road where I don't do the drugs mm-hmm. as opposed to the road where I know where this will lead me. Yeah. It's all the it's same. It's all about progress. Yeah. And, like, so Weird. I'm, yeah. Progress, not perfection. Look at that. It's funny because my <laughs> mantra actually became prosperity is the goal and progress is the process that's awesome so that's been my mantra for years my mantra was through sacrifice i shall find strength and serenity and like okay i i sacrificed you know what i mean i found my strength i 
maybe I haven't reached serenity yet, but my progress, that's the process to getting there. That's really awesome. So I've kind of like adapted these little things that when I'm having a hard time adjusting my perspective to say like, wow, this is just a shitty day too. It could be worse. Like when I can't shift that, I have to like replay that in my head. Prosperity, goal, process is the process. You know, like my exactly. progress is the process. and that makes a world of difference. Just having those little things to remind yourself. Like, yeah, those mantras are huge. Like, yeah. I literally, I got out of rehab and I got progress, not perfection on my arm. Yeah, that's awesome. Right here in the inside so yep. that I can always look down mm-hmm. and see it. It's right there. I got one day at a time right here. I have at Ego Vici written on this my This is arm. hope in Gaelic, you know, like. This is I overcame in Latin. See? You know, like little things, yeah. I got my Latin somewhere. So, a carpe diem right here. I knew I had Latin somewhere. This was actually my beauty coming out of chaos. So it was like two people splitting and I it was this. Oh my gosh. I have, we both have two people. So this guy. I have myself yeah, fighting myself. That's really neat. So I found it really <laughs> neat. Um, guy named Gypsy Manson did this for okay. me. And he is a amazing person with his own addiction story, his own mental health issues. And when I told him a bit of my story, he was like, you know what? I have the perfect piece for you. And I want to do that one. He's awesome. like. No charge. And so this has been my favorite. And that was free, yeah. Yeah, I didn't pay a dime for it, and it's my favorite because it really represents. It's a story. It's just, I care more about. It represents my whole life, you know? Yeah, tattoos to me are more about a story. If you have one, I don't want to hear that it was, it's perfectly done, Mm -hmm. and you got it in some shop, and you don't remember the guy's name. Right. Like, I have, like, 40 tattoos, and, like, 25 of them were done in a front yard in Venice by a girl who was a graffiti artist and muralist that did, she, um, she did this one and this. But her name's Muckrock, and she did my. I had her tag my arm last, but everything she did was with without a stencil. Oh wow! Like complete that's awesome. trust me, yeah. sitting there across from her, she did carpe diem upside down. That's neat. Like looking yeah. me to you, but yeah, she's done a bunch. Not all came out perfect. Like nine twenty nine, my oh, birthday got all perfect. messed up. But guess what? I don't care. I I, I got it in my Progress, garage. Not perfection, exactly. Right? Like yeah. I'd rather have the story behind it than like uh, I don't know who did that, but yeah, it looks awesome, doesn't it? At the end of the day, stories are what you're going to remember. You know what I mean? At the end of your lifetime, you're going to think about the things that happened and the story that you have to share more than anything. It's what we learn from. It's Mm -hmm. what we teach other people with. How many times do you tell your kids, when I was your age, I did that, and it didn't work out so well. all the time. You know, it's that story that you have behind Mm -hmm. that you just saved that kid from breaking his leg. Or a story (laughs) that you share that can benefit someone else. Or like, I've been there. I get it. Or... You know, a story that makes someone laugh, but stories are so instrumental. Into yeah, that's every how this is born. That's yeah. you know why this is born is just talking and just telling stories. Why we're talking now? Yeah, and no. it's been awesome to meet you. Like I think it's I like meeting somebody yeah. this way. Like it's my first time meeting somebody this way, but I think it's really organic. Oh yeah, because it's like raw, I don't know anything about you. It's like it's I'm just getting to know mm-hmm. you for real, and I just like, almost forgot the mics were there for a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, which is awesome. You know, and I I hope you come back for the meetings too oh, because I, like I'm really looking forward. I I already, and I already know you and her are going to get along yeah. because of everything you said. She would be going crazy if she heard all the things. That, <laughs> well, yeah. I'd love to talk to her sometimes. We're going to be here and... like, you know, three, four days, three, four times a day okay, for so meetings. Okay, so have... your meetings actually launch? Tomorrow morning. Well, tomorrow this is going to come out. I'm not sure when. But tomorrow morning, Monday morning okay. is when they start. Today is July 4th, just for a record. And tomorrow morning and then 9 a.m. is the mental, ch- mental health check-in. Mm-hmm. 10 a.m. is a meditation for 45 minutes. 
Then at 6.30 on Mondays will be the abstinence um, from drug and alcohol yeah. meeting. Um, not AA, but just kind of like it who doesn't want to go to AA. Right. Um, or like AA me. that just don't want to go to AA that night. You're right. just, you know, whatever. Um, and then a- after that, at 8 o'clock, will be a mental health check-in from 8 to 9. Mm-hmm. Tuesday will be the same thing, except for every day at 6.30 will be a different meeting. Right, right, So right. Tuesdays are cannabis um, patient meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, Wednesdays are for women empowerment. So it's like trauma meetings. Yeah, that, that um, meeting is really, really cool. There's yeah. not much like that out there. I was really stoked about yeah, that. Yeah, that's something we thought was really important for the mm-hmm. community. Um, Thursday's all about LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. We have a separate one for the youth to use a meditation room even. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, 75% of youth that are homeless are LGBTQ kicked yeah. out of their house. Um, Fridays. Really? I yeah. didn't know that was such a high stat. Yeah, I think it's actually 80%. Wow. Um, Fridays are for harm reduction, so people that are just trying to taper, yeah. that kind of thing, and trying to learn how to do that. Bonus Friday nights, midnight meeting. I love midnight meetings. 11 p.m. to midnight, yeah. and we don't turn the lights on. We just have, like, a string light around the room and keep the lights down a little bit. That's neat. And just how was your day, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and Saturdays, I, I forget. It, Sundays are COVID relief. Yeah. I think Saturdays might be the trauma one. I think that's what it is. And then, yeah, Wednesdays are the women empowerment one. So You guys yeah. have a lot of unique groups and a lot of really cool groups. And we're going to add more groups, too. If, like, you came and it's like, hey, I want to do a group on X, Y, and Z, and I have four other people that would come to it. Okay, well, you know, we can do Wednesdays at this time, Thursdays, and then you're committed to that, you know, day and that time slot with your group of five. Or more if if it grew. I would love, love, love the concept of a domestic violence group. There are not we a lot already of are groups. Yeah, we are thinking that the trauma one is going to end up splitting because it will get okay. big enough yeah. that it will need the specifics mm-hmm. because of what you're saying. Like yeah. we know that there's going did to be people that want to that, come to that one. Did you know that out here in Bloomsburg, the number one violent crime is actually domestic violence? I can 100% believe it. Actually, yeah. and that's one of the reasons that we're going to be locking the doors during meeting times. That's so great. when you're in here during the meeting, you're, you're going to know that you're in a locked safe. room. Yeah. Right. Within, I'm going to lock it at and 15 minutes into every meeting. So if you're late to a meeting, call somebody inside or you're not coming in. Right. So get here on time. Okay. You know? But I'm giving people a 15-minute leeway, then locking the door after every meeting just for that kind of peace of mind, too. I think that's a really awesome so, idea. Thanks again for coming down here. Yeah. It's been awesome. Thanks Absolutely. Again. Thank you. Bye.